All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Sons of Saturday, Virginia Tech. Uh, we are here to chat about this Richmond game. We're here to chat about the Hokies. Um, joining me from sunny California, Grayson Wimbish out of Los Angeles, Billy Ray Mitchell out of San Diego, and I am Pat Finn out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Virginia Tech defeated the Richmond Spiders on Saturday, 21 to 10. And we're going to chat about it for a little bit. But first, before we do that, we are going to honor and recognize our close friend over at the Main Street Pharmacy, Dr. Lord Jeremy Counts, the High King of Blacksburg, Virginia, ripping the Main Street Pharmacy as the head pharmacist. Head on down to the MSP for all of your necessities. Uh, Jeremy's a good guy. You walk in there, he'll greet you with a smile because he's got a great smile. This isn't this isn't a dentist ad. This is a uh, a Main Street Pharmacy ad. But we love Jeremy. Go go on down to the Main Street Farm. Get yourself a Sons of Saturday flag T-shirt sticker button. We will have buttons and we will have stickers for Notre Dame in a few weeks. That will be your one stop shop for pins that say "Beat Notre Dame, Stripe to Stadium," November 9th, October 9th. Excuse me. But uh, we're gonna do a hokey haiku here. Just wrote this a few minutes ago. The Spiders were squashed. Our offense scored 14 points. Much needed bye week. All right, gentlemen. <laughs> we who's, excited, bring, who's excited for this podcast? We got to bring, bring some juice today. I mean, yeah. where did we watch? Where did we tailgate? So if you guys listen, saw on social media, we went to Austin, Texas for the Texas, Texas Tech game. Uh, we actually, you know, it's funny. We went to Austin. We were supposed to go there for Memorial Day weekend. We actually had to push the trip back because of COVID and saw that, you know, you're going to go to Austin. Might as well check out the uh, the Longhorns and check out a game day there. So we uh, we saw they were playing on the 23rd when we had Richmond in town and went for it. The 25th, excuse me. But um, the vibes. The vibes are different. The vibes are different this week, and uh, we'll talk about Austin later on. Uh, we did not tailgate for the Hokie game, and uh, we all just watched the Hokie game uh, since uh, since Saturday. So let's just break it down first. We did the rewatch. Likes on offense. Uh, I'll kick it off with Bill. Yeah, and and before we just jump into things we liked about this game, I thought over uh, overwhelmingly this was a huge snooze fest. Um, a lot of the things that I wanted to see out of the offense, uh, from a production standpoint, we did not see, uh, but some of the things from a schematic and, um, and trying things and creativity standpoint, we did see, uh, so here are some of my likes, uh, Tied their career high and catches uh, on Saturday did Trey Turner. He had a couple of huge plays. I loved seeing that. Um, uh, career high in catches for Tavion Robinson as well with six. So he got 12 catches total out of Tay and Trey, um, which was fun to see. First drive. I loved our first drive, the scripted drive. We went five plays, 65 yards for a touchdown. It looked like the boat race was was going to commence. Um and then that second drive, we had some good rhythm as well. Um, we ran the jump pass again. Um, you know, that was creative. I saw that we ran trips with one ride receiver. Uh, trips 
from the gun with one wide receiver on the other side um, and 11 personnel, which I thought was interesting. And we did some other things that, for, again, from a schematical and lining up perspective, we were trying a lot of different stuff, but we didn't see it actually work. Um, and we'll get into that in the uh, in the bad. Um, but that's about it from what I have uh, from likes. Uh, some of my positives. One, Trey Turner had a great game. Good to see him going over the 100-yard mark. I feel like it's been ages since we had a wide receiver go over 100. Uh, six catches, 102 yards. And also finding the end zone for the first time. Uh, he had a great game and two phenomenal catches, one of them being the touchdown catch in the first quarter. And then the second one uh, was later in the game, that deep pass downfield where he really climbed the, climbed the ladder and made quite an acrobatic catch. Um, I think when Trey Turner is playing well, Virginia Tech plays well, and uh, hopefully this can be a you know a big landmark, landmark checkpoint, uh, what have you, heading into this bye week and uh, as we move into Notre Dame and the rest of ACC play. Trampoline, uh, trampoline, trampoline. <laughs> Trey trampoline. Nice. Uh, the offense was two of two in the red zone. Two of two for two touchdowns. That is good. That is a stark improvement over last week. We saw a little bit of um, you know different formations. We saw Connor Blumrick come into the game. So going two of two in the end zone with two touchdowns is a lot better than you know what we saw last week. And then uh, this is a little bit generous, but you know aside from the Knox Kadem interception, we did not turn the ball over, uh, which is good. I think this team has really protected the football this year. Uh, one of the silver linings out of the offense. Um, but Grayson, what did you see from the Richmond game? Yeah, uh, I love that this game was the most vertical I've seen our passing game in 2021. The two trips to the red zone and scoring on both of them. Uh, like you said, Pat, great improvement from the West Virginia game. Uh, I've said it all along. We have guys who can jump up at tight coverage and snag those downfield passes. And we saw glimmers of that all day. Uh, Trey Turner did that several times. Tavian Robinson is equally as dangerous in those scenarios. Uh, I also love Jalen Holston's vision, Pat. I know that's your guy. I think over his his career at Virginia Tech, it's just gotten better with time. He only ran for 37 yards on Saturday, but he averaged 4.6 yards per carry. And uh, with the current state of our offensive line, I don't think that's too shabby. And then obviously the last thing, uh, Speedy Heem, man, that that uh, that spin move that he that he put on uh, Richmond's defense was was pretty pretty awesome. I'd love to incorporate him more into our offensive game plan. I think he's wildly talented. We've seen flashes of that this season, and I'd love to see him get the ball more. Um, but, yeah, love, loved loved seeing, uh, seeing those guys, especially the wide receivers, get a lot of targets. Uh, we can move on to the defense. Billy Ray, if you want to kick us off over there. Yeah, um, I think the defense, and we'll talk about this a little bit later as we um, go on in the podcast, but I think the defense continues to prove um, that it's elite. Uh, it is very op- opportunistic. Um, they step up when they need to step up. We've talked about it before. Um, when they when the other team marches into field goal territory, we come up with a big play. Um, this happened on the first, uh, the first drive. They had first and 10 at the VT34. Uh, and after a Dax Hollifield sack, they forced a fourth and 20 from the VT 44. Um, but, you know, this defense is legit. Um, you saw what they were able to do in the second half of the uh, UVA game. And let's not, or, uh, excuse me, the second half of the West Virginia game. And let's not forget, this is the same defense that 
regardless of, you know, we can say UNC was overrated as much as we want to say UNC was overrated. And I agree as a football team, you North Carolina was not a top 10 team period. Um, the fact of it is the, the fact of the matter is we held that UNC team that does have talent and still does have one of the best quarterbacks in college football to 10 points. Since then they put 59 points up on Georgia state. They put 59 points up against U, uh, UVA and sputtered out against uh, Georgia tech, but uh, still an elite performance. Um, and uh, this defense continues to um, be mentally sharp and actually tackled a whole lot better this week um, than they did last week. So, uh, hats off to Coach Ham and the defense for stepping it up, Pat. Yeah, I think um, one of the things that has stood out about the defense this year, as opposed to some of the more recent years, is the third down defense. Uh, at halftime, Richmond was 0 for 7 on their third down conversions. You know, that'll really make a difference in the game. Um, and they finished 3 of 14 overall. Actually, statistically speaking, uh, the national landscape, Tech is ranked 15th in the country for um, opponents, uh, third down defense at a 28% clip. And a lot of that has to do with the improvement of the linebackers. Uh, You've seen Dax Hollifield really kind of take that next step so far this season. You know, he's, he's been getting off of blocks. He's been in the backfield. He has an interception on his, uh, under his belt this year. Um, you know, running backs aren't really getting to the second line. You don't need to see Chamari Connor leading the team in tackles again this year. And we said that on the season preview. If Chamari was going to lead the team in tackles, then uh, that means that the linebacker room was not taking a step forward. So good to see uh, Alan Tisdale, Dax Hollifield led in tackles again uh, on Saturday with nine and eight tackles, respectively. Um, as far as another guy, who showed up on the stat sheet that I was happy to see. Uh, Amari Barno, welcome back. Four tackles, two solo. Rest up, we're really going to need him to be uh, you know, disruptive against Notre Dame. Yeah, uh, I'll wrap this out. Despite the few chunk plays that we did give up to Richmond, our defense did exactly what they've kind of been known to do, and that was bail us out of what could have been an extremely dangerous situation. Uh, Pat, you alluded to it. Dax, Dax Hollifield and Alan Tisdale both played great games. Uh, I love the secondary performance. They they were tackling an open field. They were wrapping up, uh, tackling from the waist, um, which has been an issue these past couple of seasons. So whatever Jay Ham's doing is, is working because these guys are wrapping up. Love to see that. Uh, and then the defensive line has got pressure in this game. And they got enough pressure to hold Richmond to only 10 points. Uh, when the defensive line plays well, the secondary typically plays well. So um, that's all I have for defense. We can move yeah. to special teams. Moving on to special teams here. Um, you know, it'd be easy to get on here and say that we were impressed with Tavion Robinson's punt return, which all of us were. Um, but that was kind of a situation where it was like, and not necessarily if it was more of a when situation. I was very impressed with him directing traffic and getting the punt at the beginning of the second half fielded. He was in a ton of traffic. He didn't have time to do a fair catch. He was able to move his teammates out of the way. I mean, that's a disaster situation. Richmond plays well the entire first half offense is sputtering out. If you get a punt that gets off somebody's, you know, calf or we drop the punt and Richmond gets the ball in our own territory, you're in a really bad spot. Um, But I'm very, very proud of the, um, of the progression that Tavion has made um, 
on offense, obviously, and as a punt returner and seemingly as a leader on this team as well. Um, he had press availability after the football game. Um, I, I just uh, really proud of Tavion in uh, in his junior year, but that uh, that play really impressed me. His ability to um, to make a play on that. You put it well as saying, um, if not when, you know, Tavion Robinson, that cut, that first cut he made to make that first guy miss, and then uh, for him to just switch up field, reminded me a lot of Eddie Royal. I want to say it was like one of the Duke games back in the early 2000s. Um, just an electric, an electric player with the ball in his hands, and I couldn't believe that uh, this was his first touchdown from a punt return you know since he's been at virginia tech but really hoping that uh he can do greg stroman well because greg stroman said all right dude go get another one and uh, i think sweet feet tay knows that um yeah he's up for the challenge yeah sweet feet caught a lot of extremely scary punts in this game and we said on season preview podcast that's something all of us were very nervous about who was going to be returning punts thank god it wasn't jimmy mitchell uh, to start the season. Uh, and I don't want to hex anything, but he's he continues to do a great job. So I, I have a hard time believing, though, gentlemen, that that was the first punt return we've had for a touchdown since 2017. I'd love to get those numbers up, and I think we actually will this season. I don't think that will be the only one that Sweet Feet Tay has. I also think that there is a direct correlation to wearing single digits and being an absolutely gnarly punt returner. Yes. Like, Look, Eddie Royal, war number four, Macho Harris, war number one, Greg Stroman, war number three. What do all of them have in common? They're all three, all three of those guys, some of the best top punt returners in Virginia Tech football history, and now Tavion Robinson is a number nine. And look what happens. Tyran Matthew also wore seven, uh, if you want to talk about it. He played for LSU, but the same (laughs) principle applies. (laughs) Uh, I I think we're leaving somebody off of this, though. D'Angelo Hall. D'Angelo Hall. Okay. You can do Eric Green, but like preceding, you know, I would say like the last 15 years or so. Your all's history is trumping uh, trumping my point. My point was we're leaving Peter Moore out, who, again, was great. Punted. I was hoping he wouldn't have to punt at all today. Bless you, Matthias. I was hoping he wasn't have to punt at all. Six punts, 268 yards, 44.7 average. Um, Peter Moore, not a quarterback, but a very good fourth down quarterback. So, Can I say something real quick? Yes, I was when, 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 when this is cool. This is cool. When uh, when we were at the Texas football game and we're walking in, Chris Riegert and I were stopped by some guys. They saw Virginia Tech attire and they're like, "You guys went to Virginia Tech?" We said, "Yeah," and they said, "Do you know Peter Moore?" We're like, yeah, he's our punter. He goes, we went to high school with him. He's the man. And I'm like, yeah, I know. He is he's, the man. He is the man. He's a hell of a punter. And I, I hadn't told you guys that. Uh, so figured I'd share that on the podcast. Hell yeah. Love to hear that. Gotta say, guys, I'm really impressed with us making it through our likes. We're going to head into dislikes here. So let's let's go with dislikes. We'll start with the offense. Um. I think to sum up the offense from yesterday, especially, I think, you know, you can, you can pick plays, you can pick position groups, you can pick, you know, certain schemes, certain guys getting beat, certain guys not doing something. To me, the most frustrating thing regarding the offensive side of the ball is inconsistency. 
If you want to call that inconsistency, whether it comes to execution, you can look back at the West Virginia game. If you want to call it in terms of coaching decisions, you can look at Knox Kadem going in the football game on the goal line. If you want to look at it as the offensive line not producing, you can look at the West Virginia game. If you want to look at it, you know, you can, any way you slice it, I feel like if you watch the game, we either have mismatches or have plays called where guys can be open or definitely have the talent on that side of the ball. The fact of the matter is the output that our offense has had over the course of these games has been just absolutely puzzling. 10 points or 17 points versus UNC, 35 versus Middle Tennessee, arguably our best offensive performance against West Virginia with 21, where we moved the ball a ton and we never scored. And then 21 points against Richmond. It's 14. Sorry. Uh, yeah, 14 if you don't include special teams. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it is so disappointing, and it, it, it's just inconsistency. You come out, you have that great first drive against North Carolina, you have that great first drive against Richmond, and it just bleh, just bleh. And it's not acceptable, and we're not going to be a very good team if we don't figure it out. Um, I talked about it in the likes. I think we tried a bunch of different things, which, you know, is a part of fixing what our issue is, is being more creative and, you know, finding ways to get guys open. I think that's great. But if we don't convert on them and they don't do anything, that's not going to help us a lot. So we have a ton, we have a ton to work on in this bye week but that, that was, you know, my biggest point here. We left a lot of points on the board over the first three weeks of the season, and it wasn't any different in week four. Um, yeah, a lot of it was just lack of consistency and just honestly some sloppy play, whether it was sloppy quarterback play. No, Braxton missed a handful of throws, you know, wide open tray in the end zone. Obviously, we score on the next play, but, um, you know, still something that needs to be cleaned up. Drake Deulis wide open on the left side. Um, you know, our wide receivers had a few drops here, here and there that did not help the offense or the flow of the offense in any way, shape or form either. And it's just some things that you really need to clean up in practice. Um, and having a bye week is a great opportunity to do that. Um, but the body of work right now from the offense is just really uh, just, dis- I mean, the word that you chose uh, is a good one. Disappointing. Yeah. And Pat, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't, I, I know I hinted at it, but I, I'd really like to talk about it more. Um and it's it's my biggest thing. Like like this past game, I, I think we tried some different things. And my biggest question mark when it came in regards to personnel or coaching specifically, I, I can't rationalize the the Knox the Knox Kadem deal. I, like I I'll let you talk about it, but it just I I don't have a rationale for that. Yeah. So just to set the scene, it's the second quarter. We're up seven nothing. Um, Tavion had just fair caught a punt at like the five or the six yard line. So we're looking at 94 yards of clean mountain air between, uh, between the line of scrimmage and pay dirt. And we put in Knox Kadem in the shadow of his own goalposts to run the offense. And it's mid second quarter. Um, Coach Fuente said it was scripted. It said that this was going to happen, that Knox Kadem was going to get into the game and that, the position on the field is inconsequential to how Knox should have performed and Knox should be disciplined to make the right decisions. So we run the ball on first down, which is you know, probably as predictable as they come with a backup quarterback. 
um, in the shotgun. And then he rolls out to his right uh, and throws a pick and Richmond scores on the next play. Um, I just think it's such a questionable thing to do when you ask a guy who has played, you know, a half of meaningful football for this team against Clemson uh, last year, and then just send him into the game when it's a one score game with his back against the wall and take the team 94 yards just seems a little bit unrealistic to me. Like you had two solid drives to kick off the first quarter. Obviously the, the, uh, the offense had stalled over the next few drives, but why can't you let Braxton just have this drive, manage the game, either move us up and get us better field position for Knox Kadem's next, next, uh, next drive, um, or give our, give our defense the opportunity to, to stop them. So Knox can get better field position. I just don't understand. I think the only, I think the only way that this makes sense is if, if there's a possibility that we're overlooking the fact that maybe this was an actual, like, not, I don't want to say quarterback con- competition, but an actual like let's put him in a real game situation and see how he reacts to it. Um, if it was if if it was scripted, maybe instead of looking at it as it was scripted as he's just going to go in there because we want to get our second guy some reps. Maybe it's he's going to go in there because we're seeing if he can actually be the guy. Now I'm firmly in the camp of Braxton Burmeister being our. St- what is your th- what are your thoughts on that? I mean, because I'm trying to rationalize it in my head, and that's the only way that I can try to make it make sense in my head. Because Fuente said that there's no there's no quarterback controversy or anything like that. He said Braxton's job is secure at this point. I don't understand that. Well, then yeah, I don't understand either because. Well, if Braxton's job is secure, then why are you putting in Knox Kadem in the second quarter at the six-yard line? I just what is what is the best possible outcome here? It, it makes me wonder. Uh, a thought that I had there is like, what if what if Fuente put him in there in the instance like just to get him comfortable in the situation of being on his heels in case something happened to Burmeister down the stretch. Uh, and like Knox had some experience being on his heels in that situation where you feel the pun. I, I, I have no idea. I don't understand. No, I I don't understand at all. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't think it's really defensible at all. Um, it really just makes limited sense. Let's give Knox Caden the ball, you know, at the 20 yard line, at the 30 yard line, at the 50 you know, on a different possession, he could chose any other possession than this one. Um, so <laughs> just kind of scratching my head at this. Um, moving right along to other things that, you know, are worth talking about. The offensive line, I don't want to say the offensive line had a bad game. I know, Grayson, you want to talk about this as well. They were definitely serviceable for all of the conflict and issues that we've had with the offensive line, mainly because of uh, Silas Janzi going down last week at West Virginia and shaking up, you know, does Brock play right tackle? You know, we ended up moving Lasitas to left tackle, Luke Tenuta to right tackle, um, Caden Moore at right guard, and Johnny Jordan at center, and then Brock moving away from, from center to left guard. Um, serviceable. They, they had one penalty, which was huge improvement over last weekend, but obviously if you, you know, if you're in a hostile environment, your offensive line might be more subject to penalties than any other position group. 
Um, only gave up two sacks. Again, not bad. But the bad news is that we couldn't run the football this week. You know, we only had 106 total rushing yards on 33 carries. You know, 3.2 yards per carry is not a good clip. Um, so, yeah, I wasn't. It's just it's just worth bringing up that um, they're trying. Coach Fuente said he will consider this starting five moving forward. But you know, it, again, a bye week is coming up at a good time for the offensive line. Yeah, stamp that, dude. Uh, to Pat's point, y'all, I think with Brock out of the middle, not at center, and then Silas out injured, it's definitely thrown off the rhythm of the offensive line. They just kind of. They just didn't really look in sync. Again, that doesn't mean that it didn't it didn't work. And at the beginning of the season, we talked about it in our preview podcast. Look, y'all, we knew injuries were coming. We knew they were destined to happen. I self-admittedly said I didn't think that they would affect the Vice Squad that much. I'm an idiot for thinking that. Karma slapped me in the teeth. Uh, and you have these guys playing out of their natural positions, and it looks like they're trying to learn as they go along. Uh, which is a little concerning, but at the same time, you can't really fault them for that. Um, I'll uh, I'll kind of close this with a final thought, uh, and this is just something I've I've thought all season long. If I'm being honest, y'all, I don't think this offense is ever going to improve beyond what it currently is right now. And I, I'm not saying that this team will not improve. That's not what I mean. I'm saying schematically, the offense that we currently have. I just don't ever think it will get us there. I don't think it will ever win a national championship, much less a conference championship. I just don't think it's dynamic enough. Injuries have happened. I just said that. We lost Jimmy Mitchell. Silas is out. But even with those guys healthy, we're just kind of a, a, um, like a several-trick pony. We're predictable. And I, and I think, and I tweeted this on Saturday, beating Richmond 21-10, to 10, it's, it's, it's concerning. And Billy Ray, Pat, and I, we, we were in Texas. We were at the UT Austin game, and we saw what they did to Texas Tech. They beat the dog crap out of Texas Tech. And I think that that's what we should have done. They scored like seven points. Yeah, they beat the hell out of Texas Tech. <laughs> so I'm, if I'm being brutally honest, and I'm, I'm curious to hear what you guys think, I'm terrified going into conference play. I've seen this song and dance too many times. I'm getting big shadows of 2018 after FSU. I think Notre Dame is going to be very telling of what this team is capable of and what our ceiling is. And if we get the brakes beaten off of us, then I'm very concerned about the rest of the games we have on our schedule. Not a single one of them is a gimme. And expect to bite your fingernails and possibly need a defibrillator and buy some plaster at the Home Depot because you're going to be punching holes in your walls. I promise you that. I'm not looking forward to it. And I obviously, you got to take it one game at a time, but I'm I'm worried, y'all. I'm tired of this. I really am. I I'm curious to hear y'all's thoughts on this. Uh, we could do this now because uh, Steve Bryce, his question for me, and we'll open this up to everybody, is is question for BRM because I know there are other two don't have any faith left. This offensive coordinator. Can you give us three reasons why to be hopeful about this 112th ranked and 13th ranked offense improving over the next uh, eight games? And here's why I disagree with you, Grayson. Like I literally don't think it could get worse. Like as 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 much of a like disappointing answer as that is. Like 17, 35, 27, 14. Like I I I think this offense has more talent than those numbers. 
Um, and again, it came down to, so this week we rushed the ball. I think it was 33 times, which if I'm not mistaken, was the least or second least that we've rushed it all year. Cause we were trying new things, throwing the ball. Um, so the, one of the reasons why I think it'll get better is because I literally, it literally cannot be worse unless you just start turning the ball over. And then but is that not a problem though? Is oh, that not a problem? No, that it, that's that the thing, though. Everybody on Twitter was tweeting, like, if anybody's okay with our offense right now, you're not a fan. It's like, I don't think anybody I don't think anybody is okay with how our offense looks. I think if you look at our football team, we have a very good defense with, with, with depth who plays really well. We have a sound special teams who, you know, we're able to put some of the guys that are starters on that play pretty well, except for our, you know, we didn't make any strides in the, uh, in the field goal unit because they didn't kick at all. Um, and then we have an offense with talent who hasn't really done anything yet. Um, again, we saw some vertical throws this week, saw some stuff over the middle. Um, I'd like to think, and Trey and Tavion mentioned this in their post game. Um, you know, they both kind of laughed when the question was asked and said, look, like we're going to get better with more reps with Braxton. I- I'm just hoping that that's right. Because, you know, you said it was schematically to me, it's the output is what's a disaster. Right. Like regardless of how you of how you frame it, the output is the problem. The amount of points that we're scoring and the yards that we're putting up is the problem. Um, But we have more talent than what is being shown. There are points like Pat mentioned. There are multiple times where either guys are streaking down the field or we have straight up drops at the sticks on third down or we have, you know, somebody cuts the wrong way or one lineman misses a block. Like, you know, it's, it's not a situation where we're just totally outmatched. Um, by other teams. I truthfully believe that a lot of the times our offense is messing up is not due to being overpowered. It's due to just not kind of shooting ourselves in the foot. We've done that all year. And yes, at the end of the day, that falls back onto coaching and what we're practicing, practice habits and executing all together. That has to get better. And we have two weeks. It's basically a race until we get into um, into Notre Dame. Uh, Pat, what is your what are your thoughts on that? Um, my thoughts here from the whole body of work, it's, I've been, I've been talking about, you know, resetting expectations, um, just because of how our offense has performed. Did I expect the defense to be this good? No. Did I expect the offense to be this bad? No. Um, have I been an eight and four guy the entire way? Yes. If our defense, if our offense does not continue, I'm sorry, if our offense starts being consistent and starts to improve, then we can definitely, you know, look to eight and four. Um, yeah, I'm still kind of just struggling at what my expectation should be because again, it's a game, it's a game against Richmond where you don't think you're going to learn that much about the game. And then, you only score 14 points. Um, but, you know, if, if, we're, if we're looking at the body of work here, I was talking about this with Bryce Chalkley, and he was like, listen, it's like, you guys like to play golf, right? I'm terrible at it. I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, like, let's say I'm, I'm even through four holes, but on the first hole I hit a tree and it somehow went in the cup. And then, uh, but I've bogeyed the last two holes. Like, am I really going to feel confident going to that fifth tee box? Um, probably not. Like, you know, coach Fu talking about the offense. He said after middle Tennessee, we cannot beat the doors off of people. Uh, but this offense has not even been able to scratch up a window. 
Uh, so we're going to need to have to see some change and we will find that change. It's just the waiting sucks. The waiting part of it sucks because you know, you hold out hope to see if it's going to get, uh, get a little better, but we won't know until November, not November, October 9th. Ahead, if, 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 if history has taught us anything, if history has taught us anything under this regime, nothing will change. And that's my problem is because we can sit here. Wait, wait, yeah, yeah, it is. We can sit here and wait all day for the, for this offense to be consistent, but it has not been since day one. It has not been, it was uh, masked by superior, superior I, I, talent in 2016. It has not been. That is a fact. It hasn't been. So I, I'm done waiting to pretend like something, some miracle is going to happen and things are going to change. And I think a lot of people share that sentiment. Like no, I just know I, I I think that's a I think you made a fair point if you would delete the 2018 2019 season from existence where you know we lose to Boston College and everything is bad and we made a change and we saw great results from it. Um that's why you know I I yeah, I mean I think the 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 clear thing to say here for everybody whether you are pro staff, anti-staff, pro program or or whatever um, either the offense will get better or we're going to lose a lot of games. Like that is <laughs> like, that's, that's pretty much what it boils down to is we will either get better or we will lose a lot of games. And again, I keep coming back to this. Um, you know, uh, Pat, you mentioned hitting it off the tree into the hole. And if you kind of take everything into consideration, who is Virginia tech? We're three and one, we're one and oh in conference play. Notre Dame's coming to town. And again, you're going to learn more about this football team than you will learn than you have learned in the summation of all these games. Because again, the best performance that we've put up was against the best defense we're going to play all year. I was wrong about West Virginia's defense. West Virginia has a really, really good defense. And that is the only game where we consistently move the ball up and down the field. Did we put it in the end zone? No. But West Virginia with a solid defense, that was the only time we really moved the ball. So Look, we're not going to see this program on a football field um, the rest of this month and for another week. And things got to change. Things got to change. There's too much talent on that side of the ball. I I don't believe this is the best that it can be. And if the people that we're paying to make it work will either do that or not, and that's sure. and that's and that's going to be what it is. Sure. Um, so yeah, all eyes are on the offense. Um, as far as the defense is concerned, I have no pro- I have no qualms with our defense. Does anybody have any qualms with our defense? No, they're they're doing a good job. It's good to see them uh, continue the success. I mean, when you when you only allow 237 total yards, you better be winning that game. So shout out uh, to the defense. Ten points. I, to tie to tie the offense into the defense, and to tie that uh, we're not going to blow like. We don't need this offense to score 40 points a game. Like, and again, I was the guy who came in here. So again, I'll eat more crow here. I was the guy that came in here and said, I think our offense can put up 2016, 2016 numbers. And based upon the talent that we had with James Mitchell and these wide receivers and the way that we were talking about the passing game and Raheem Blackshear and all of that stuff. I mean, it was pretty, it was, I, I didn't think it was that much of an outlandish comment and it hasn't, it has not happened. So to re-expectate, Pat, as you mentioned, for us to be a successful football team, I think this team needs to score 24 to 28 points. That's it. Can you find a way to put 24 to 28 points on the board with Trey Turner, K-1 
Tavion Robinson, a quarterback who you are tying your entire reputation on in Braxton Burmeister, two solid running backs in Raheem Blackshear and, um, and Jalen Holston, and a pretty solid front five when we're healthy. I don't see a reason why we can't score 24 points a game. Find a way to make it happen. Coach Cornelson said in the postgame and in the, in the presser today, he said, we have to be better and we have to be better now. Yep, you're right. That's a fact, so, Jack. So that is a fact. So that's what we're waiting to find out. Um, special teams. Pat, what do you got on special teams? Uh, the fake punt. Fake punt was actually, I guess it's an interesting play call. You're playing Richmond, um, but it was an interesting, uh, it was an interesting sequence there. Peter, we love you. Uh, we met your friends down in Austin. Um, we're just going to say we didn't love the, uh, the throw there. And, and that's about that. But, um, you know, <laughs> we've seen some fake punts over the years from, from tech, whether it was, uh, did Mitch Ludwig have one or against Clemson? Yeah. Who had the one where it was like the jump pass to Terrell Edmonds? Was that Mitch I'm Ludwig? Mitch Ludwig, yep. And then uh and then we had um Chase Mamau. Chase, yeah, Chase Oklahoma State. That's right. In the bowl game. That one was awesome. That was really um, crazy. Because he was not I, a I definitely I definitely didn't really understand the play call, but there was obviously a schematical mismatch or something coach Sheba saw because it was open um it just you know Peter Moore kind of you know didn't get the ball to the to the to the gunner um it was there um yeah, but it was wide open he was Dorian, wide open Dorian Strong the gunner would have had He's his kind of bummed you can see it Dorian was a little bummed he was probably fired they probably practiced it all week coach Sheba's probably like Dorian's gonna be open baby and he didn't get it to him and he was uh and you could tell he was a little upset yeah little Dorian up. was not happy um, <laughs> But yeah, ended up being no harm. Defense, I think, gave up one first down and then forced a punt. Um, but yeah, that's my issue. I think, you know, to kind of sum this all up, it feels very, it feels very 2019. Like in the not, and I'm talking about right now, not about the end result. I'm talking about the fact that in every presser after this weekend, coaches on the offensive side of the ball, took took accountability and basically said, Braxton's our guy. He needs to get better. I believe in him. So we shall see what happens. Um, got eight straight weeks of football coming up. We'll see what happens. Where was the game decided? Um, the game was decided, quite fat, frankly, on the fact that we were more talented than we were and won the game. Uh, we tried a whole bunch of new stuff, um, put a bunch of new looks on film, Probably wanted to see how we'd react to different looks, um, try to do some self-service stuff. I think, you know, if any of us are being honest, um, you know, some people may jump down my throat on this. We were never going to lose to Richmond. Um, so we took the opportunity to, to maybe try a bunch of different stuff um, and kind of take advantage of that a little bit. Um, and again, we didn't really execute on it, didn't really kind of take. So I hope we keep working on it in practice and, and we improve, but we won that game because Virginia Tech is superior athletically and uh, strengthenedly than Richmond. Special teams. Uh, where would we be without Tavion Robinson, Keyshawn King, Raheem Blackshear on the punt return and kick return units this year? They have made an impact in, I guess, every game except the Carolina game, uh, where if it was, you know, if it was going to be a field position battle with the opposition, 
Raheem against West Virginia, Keyshawn King against Middle Tennessee, Tavon Robinson against uh, Richmond here. You know, where are we without those guys uh, putting us in a good position to score or scoring straight up? Um, so you can put you can put uh, Peter Moore on that as well. He pinned Richmond inside the five against UNC. He had the huge punt on our own 10. I mean, he, he's been fantastic as well. Yep. Yeah. What do you think, Grace? This is going to sound really mean and cold-hearted, but I mean, I'm I'm serious when I say it's probably a good thing that uh, Joe Mancuso did not play the entire game. Uh, we didn't let his replacement do anything as we have let prior FCS backup quarterbacks do in the past, uh, and so. You know, I hope Joe Mancuso is okay. Obviously, you do not ever want to wish any type of terrible injury on anyone, uh, but it's probably for the better that he was not QB1 for all 60 minutes. I think it's a little asinine, though, to say that you think we would have lost the game if their starting quarterback was in it. Do you believe that? I'm not saying we would have, but I think they would have had a hell of a lot better of a shot. When it was 14-10 there, I was nervous. I was very nervous. I was upset more than I was nervous, but yeah, you got a, you got a good point. I'll go. Um, <clears throat> I'll kick us off with helmet stickers. I don't like doing helmet stickers when it's a bad game, but I'll go with Keyshawn artist. Shout out to him. He got his first career sack. Um, I know Dean Ferguson played a little bit. We got some other guys that got in the football game, uh, but mine goes to Keyshawn artist. I will give a helmet sticker to Dax Hollifield with that big time hit. Um, Clean hit too. You know, I know he's conscious of targeting. You don't ever want to get tossed from a game, but um, you know, he, he led with his, his head up and uh, his shoulder knocked him. <laughs> what am I trying to say? I love uh, listening to Pat walk me through visual collisions in football games. Keep going. <laughs> I'm having fun. His head was up. His shoulder knocked him back. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, thanks for painting that picture for us. Grayson, who is your uh, who's your helmet sticker today? Yeah, uh, I gotta go. Sweet feet, Tay. You get you get the first punt return for a touchdown since 2017. You get a helmet sticker in my book. It's been that long. It's 2017, dude. The last time the last time it was G Stro. That's not good. Yeah. Don't like that. Don't like that. <laughs> not like that stat. Right. Um, game ball. This week is brought to you by Roots Natural Kitchen right in Blacksburg, Virginia. Check out their app. Check out their wonderful, wonderful bowls. They're healthy and hearty at the same time. Absolutely satiating and filling. That's the good thing about eating healthy is you don't have to eat as much to be fully satisfied. That rule doesn't apply to me. I usually you know, double up on the meat, maybe get two bowls because it just tastes so good. I can't put the fork down. So check out Roots Natural Kitchen. Sons of Sat Code. 20% off. Pat, Pat's raising his hand. He's raising his hand. He's smiling. What do you have, Pat? Guys, we have an announcement. We're doing a Roots tailgate for Notre Dame. We'll put out some flyers on social media. Uh, we're giving away free Roots. Roots is catering a tailgate sponsored by the Sons of Saturday, sponsored by Roots, sponsored by some other special guests as well, which we are kind of ironing out in the process of ironing out. Uh, I, have my, I have my steamer and I have my spray bottle and we are ironing. Um, so wow. I Billy, don't even know about this. So this Billy, is a surprise. Billy, who's your who's your uh, game ball recipient? Tay Daly. I thought this was Tay Daly's best game um in a Virginia Tech uniform. Um coming off of a few uh a couple of rough 
rough outings. Uh, he was great in the tackling game. Um, he's going to need to be uh, consistent, especially given, uh, you know, Keonta Jenkins has been out a couple times. Um, but Tay Daly, I thought he had a great game, had some big hits. Um, so Tay Daly gets my game ball. Got to give the game ball to big play trade Turner. Huge day, six receptions for 102 yards with a 17-yard per play average and that insane touchdown catch in the end zone. On Saturday, that's a tutty. On Sunday, it's not, but it's a good thing that it was Saturday when it happened. Uh, that was that should have been like ESPN top 10 if it was not, because that that catch was insane. That was that was one of the best catches I think I've seen in Lane Stadium. No exaggeration. Beautiful catch. I will give it to Tavion Robinson uh, for having six catches, for having the uh, the big Pontiac game-changing performance with that uh, punt six. Letters from the lunch pail. We already got our guy, um, Steve Bryce. So shout out to Steve. Uh, Andrew Shoemate. I love this question. What players have you been most impressed with through the first four games? This one's pretty easy for me. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go with Dax Hollifield. Like so much of the of the um, success of this defense was hinging or predicated by his ability to take a step forward, and I think he's taken a massive leap forward um, at the Mike linebacker position. Um, from a leadership standpoint, I, I love the guy. Um, the guy loves Virginia Tech. The guy loves Coach Foster, Coach Hamilton. He loves his teammates. Uh, and he has stepped up tremendously um, this season. So he's definitely one. Tavion Robinson is another. Um, we talked about his consistency in the punt return game. Um, Peter Moore, um, arguably the the MVP of special teams thus far this season. Um, and then, Pat, I'm going to let you I, – I know who yours is going to be, uh, and rightfully so. So I'll, I'll let you take that one. Jalen Holston's been great. Yes. Uh, I don't know what you guys expect. I mean, I told I told everyone. Jalen Holston. So. Uh, Jalen Holston is uh is an impact player at tech. Um, you know, he gets the yards that matter. And uh, he's definitely improved over the last few years here. Uh question from Truitt, the optimistic hokey. Does this season make you think of the 2008 season so far? More specifically when it comes to the VT teams, not college football as a whole. Do you have hope that we could do something similar to what that team did? So let me paint a picture for you. That 2008 team had a horrendous offense, like very, very bad. Uh, You had Sean Glennon and Tyrod splitting snaps. And this was the year that we lost to East Carolina in Charlotte uh, in week one with Sean Glennon as starting quarterback. Uh, We lose 27 to 22. And we burned Tyrod's red shirt because he was actually red shirting. And they essentially split time the rest of the year. And the defense was, you know, really the, uh, the catalyst that carried the team that year. Um, just looking at how that schedule kind of shook out. They lost the first game. They started five and one. So you go ahead and you beat, you beat Furman, Georgia Tech, North Carolina, Nebraska, and Western Kentucky after losing to East Carolina. So, you know, back on the horse. And then we lose three of four up in Chestnut Hill. Macho Harris has a nice pick six this game up in Chestnut Hill, uh, but we lose to Boston College. We lose to Florida State the next week in Tallahassee. We have to use Corey Holt 
our third string quarterback because Tyrod and Glennon both get hurt. Um, and then we come back to Blacksburg with our backs against the wall and crush. I say crush. We beat Maryland 23 to 13. Darren Evans rushes for 253 yards and a touchdown. Um, and that Maryland team was actually ranked. And then we finish up the season with a loss in Miami on a Thursday night, which was just kind of an interesting game. Beat Duke at home, one of the coldest nights uh, in Lane Stadium history. And then beat UVA at home and then beat BC uh, to win the ACC. Such a strange year. Um, I think we are similar in the fact that our defense is good. I think we are similar in the fact that the ACC Coastal Division is so upside down backwards and sideways, um, which could definitely give us the backdoor angle into the ACC championship. That is exactly what happened in 2008. If you remember the UVA game in Blacksburg, we were all maroon. Tyrod had like a 73 yard run. Uh, UVA's quarterback was Mark Verica, but Vic Hall played a lot of quarterback that game as well. They had Rossi Dowling on that team. Uh, Jason Worlds had the sack in the fourth quarter, and Bud Foster goes sprinting down the sideline. His clipboard's flying up in the air. Pernell Sturdivant had that sack. Pernell Sturdivant had that sack. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's actually the second time you've corrected me on me missing that uh, the uh, the guy who got that sack race. So thank you for jumping in. <laughs> You're welcome. Pernell Sturdivant, number 45. And Dorian Porch with the, uh, the INT. Is it Porch who had the pick in the end zone? Yes. So that was huge. Um, I could see some similarities. I saw Josh Parcell put that on the timeline yesterday as well. 2008, a lot of similarities. Um, and most of it is due to our bad offense, our good defense and the ACC being pretty poor. Um, sorry, that was long winded. I'm sure Grayson has some, uh, has some things to jump in on. From sure. Yeah. Uh, I think that team had more depth than this team. You had a, you had a two headed monster, of uh of of running backs there darren evans obviously just such a powerhouse of a running back in in 2008 uh and then you that team had tyrod taylor i mean (laughs) tyrod pound for pound i think is the greatest virginia tech he's the most accoladed virginia tech quarterback i mean three acc championships in four years is absolutely insane you know michael vick took us to the national championship but you know on paper tyrod is one of the greatest to ever do it in a hokey uniform uh we also had great wide receivers that year while the offense wasn't as productive uh that defense that defense was also a serious problem i don't know i i just think depth we don't have the depth that that 2008 team had. Uh, we don't, I don't know. I just think the mentality of both teams are kind of on different playing fields. The intensity of both teams are on different playing fields. I'm not saying we can't do what they did. I just don't. I think that 2008 team was Can I, and better. I'm ignorant. You guys know this more than that team. I would know this more than I would. What, what do you mean? What do you mean by by terms of the intensity? Because looking at it on fit, like I, again, I'm the I'm the first person to admit you guys have me beat the historic understanding of these teams. When I look at that from a thousand feet, and then I look at this team, I my thought is the offense doesn't have to be unbelievable for this team to succeed, especially with the schedule that we have. 
So my hope for this season is marginal improvement on the offense and just continue to dominate games defensively. So I'm curious, like I can see some similarities. Um, You know, what's, what's holding you back from that? There are similarities there. Absolutely. And I see those similarities, but that 2008 season was in the middle of a good Lord. How many, 10 win seasons had we had up until that point. They five, knew what it was like five, to win. Five, five. They knew what they, they knew what it was like to win. They were probably on their four because in 2004, that started the 10 win streak. And then at that point, we had had four 10 win seasons prior to that. They had gone to BCS. They had just come off an Orange Bowl that they had lost to Kansas. And we actually won the Orange Bowl against Cincinnati. Uh, pardon me, there's a motorcycle outside. We had actually won uh, the 2009 that year's Orange Bowl against Cincinnati. That team was talented. That team had Macho Harris. That team had Cam Chancellor. That team had Jason Worlds. I mean, you had so much talent on that defense, and they were deep. Uh, and they had played like they had been there before. And I just – I just – this team hasn't been there before. And so that's that's my reservation. That's where I, 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 I'm not as confident, if that makes any sense. Next question comes from J.K. Shields. He says, hot take here, Bill, but you can't wear a cowboy hat unless you either own cattle or work with them. Now for the question, what would it actually take to see some kind of change to the offensive coaching staff? I asked a similar question last week, but we can't keep having performances like this. There's simply too much evidence that suggests that some kind of change is needed continuing to do the same thing over and over and expecting a different result is the definition of insanity. Yeah, definitely agree there, JK. Um, You know, I think if our offense continues to sputter, uh, it could contribute to us losing ballgames and us losing ballgames would equal changes happening either on the offensive staff or an overhaul of the entire staff. So I think, I think more so the only thing that you need to, uh, the only thing that need to happen needs to happen here, JK is just time. Um, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, to your first point on the cowboy hat, I'll do what I want. Um, to your second point. Um, yeah, I think David Hale actually had a really good thread on this today. Um, talking about midseason firings. Um, I don't know who better you bring in in the middle of the season that has a tangible impact. Um, again, like I said, my biggest qualm with kind of, this offense and kind of what we've been doing is are we teaching are we teaching actual schemes that we can execute well and can we try different things and this past week when you look at how poorly we produced how how kind of inept our offense looked it didn't seem to be a scheme thing as much as it was again making those plays like guys were open down the field um you know we had opportunities to score points so i think this question is going to answer itself like again the offense will either get better or we are going to have a disaster season like i think we can all agree with that like if we're scoring 17 you know 21 points that's not going to get it done that's not, and I, I still believe this team and people will probably disagree with me here. I still think this team has the frontline talent to compete for a coastal championship. North Carolina has essentially bowed out of competing for the coastal championship at this point after losing to Georgia tech and, and us owning the tiebreaker. So where does that leave us? 
That leaves us with Miami, who has looked if – you, if you go talk to Miami's fan base, they have the exact same type of conversations that we're having right now about ours. And then you have Pittsburgh, who loses to uh, Eastern Michigan and then scores a million points against Coastal Connecticut or wh- whatever. Michigan is not that bad of a football team. But they – but. The fact of the matter, what I'm saying is, if you talk to these other fan bases across the coastal, there's not this big bad wolf that is on our schedule. Like, if our offense improves, we are going to put ourselves in a position to compete for it. If it does not, we will go 500 or worse, and that will, in turn, lead to a complete change on this staff. So, I think it was Adam Roth. He said, "Is this going to be the magical year where every single coastal team goes four and four? Who knows?" Uh, I, I, I love the gif he tweeted. Oh, I think it was the Grinch where like where he smiles really big. Like that would be insane. Coastal chaos. Yeah. It's, it, it, so that that's kind of my, that's kind of the way that I'm looking at this is, is it needs to improve. Um, but I still, I still think that we're in a position to compete for this, for this coastal title. Um, that that's, does anyone disagree with that? I, I think I, I agree with both you and Pat in the, in the sense that, I do think this team has the talent. It's like, just can we stay healthy mm-hmm. and just something? We got to score more, I think, Bill, than we, than, we got to score more points. I think we all, we all agree. For all of you tweeting at me or in general, if you're okay with this offense, you're not a fit. Nobody there. Who, 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 who? I'm not an owl, but who is out there saying, guys, I feel really good about our offense? I don't think, I do not think that person exists out there that is fired up about this offense. It has been think, uh, not good. I, I think the fact that we are competing for the Coastal right now says a lot about the Coastal and the HTC. Um, you know, if this was a, if this was a team from 10 years ago, we would be the, the big bad wolf. And I think, obviously, we want to look at what's in front of us right now. But um, the fact that we are not the favorite right now is, you know, a whole bigger problem that, you know, we'll, we'll probably have a conversation about later on at the end of the season. Um, but let's see what happens. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's nuts. I think a lot of people have written obituaries on, on Monday, September 27th. This is why we play the damn games. So, uh, you know, our next seg- segment was things that must improve. We answered that question. As it currently stands, we're ranked 113th offensively, 82nd in passing efficiency, 88th in rushing offense. Get better. I don't I don't know what we have to do. I don't know if we have to start running double or triple reverses. I don't know if we need to start handing Lasita Smith the ball on the backfield. Get better. Moving on to unanswerable questions. Um, unfortunately, something that is answerable is Pat had to drop, so we do bid goodbye to Pat. Um, and safe travels. Safe travels. Safe travels. travels. Headed back home um, for a couple of days. But unanswerable questions. Uh, this one's kind of flown under the radar, Grayson. Um, is availability. Uh, for the first time this year, we actually had a couple of guys missing due to COVID protocol. Um, I'm hoping this is a one-off. I hope this is not something that becomes, you know, a, a repeated issue. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of an unanswerable question is, is this a one-off or is this something that could be a trend hopefully not sure that's uh it's interesting you say that because i mean even when we had gotten the alerts on our phone prior to kickoff it's like oh dang this still is a factor this is still very much a part of 
of college football and, and professional football and a lot of sports right now is that people still are getting COVID. So we do have to remember that that is going to be a, a thing every week, pretty much probably until the end of the season. Um, we can move into silver linings. Talk about that for a little bit. Um, going into a bye week. Gosh, we needed that right now. Going into a bye week against a huge matchup against Notre Dame on Saturday, October 9th, uh, we need this time to heal up and recuperate. If Silas can get healthy before then, that'd be fantastic. Uh, and I think these guys just need a break. I mean, they've they've played four hard-fought games, beating each other up. Um, and so, definitely, this is coming at a great time. Another silver lining from this weekend is uh, Clemson. The Clemson Tigers, they're looking real beatable. For the first time in a long time. And what we just talked about with kind of coastal chaos, and I'm, they're obviously in the Atlantic, no one in the ACC is safe. Clemson is ranked 25th for the first time since Billy Ray and I's freshman year of college. You wonder, Do you understand how asinine that is? Like, that's how long the Clemson Tigers have been on top. Um, so, I mean, really, this year, really, it is anyone's conference. Yeah, silver linings for me. Pat said it earlier. Um, our starters don't turn the ball over, which is a nice, uh, you know, breath of fresh air. I can't remember the last time we've had a team that takes care of the ball as well as we do now. Our defense is as good as it's been in quite some time. Uh, and our third down conversion continues to improve. Uh, but again, we're going to learn a lot about this team in, you know, 13 days when we play against Notre Dame. Um, where do we go from here? To sum it up, it's eight straight weeks of football um, with two massive tests at home in our biggest non-conference test of the year versus Notre Dame, who just beat the absolute hell out of Wisconsin in Chicago. Um, they're going to be a top 10 team. They're coming. They're going to be a top 10 team barring a loss. They have a very tough uh, game actually this week against Cincinnati. Um, so let me take that back. They are currently a top 10 team with a very difficult test coming up here next week. Um, so, you know, we're going to find out what, you know, the story has yet to been written. I think a lot of people, if you look at it and take it at face value, being three and one in this situation with a one and O against, uh, North Carolina, one and O in the ACC and North Carolina sputtering out. Like if you hadn't watched our football team play at all, you probably feel really good about where we're standing right now. Um, but we have watched our offense play and that's, uh, you know, a huge question mark. So um, that's where we stand. Offense must get better. Defense needs to continue to dominate football games and special teams needs to continue to give us an edge. Um, Sharky shout outs. First and foremost, shout out to Trey Turner stepping up to the podium. Po this was really cool. Uh, so we all looked, we, we all saw this at the um, at the tailgate in Austin. Uh, Trey Turner headed to his uh, post game post game press conference availability, rocking a headband that Cam Phillips gave him and wearing a it's Saturday act like it sweatshirt um, from the shop. So check it out. Check out the merchandise um, and uh, go get you a sweatshirt. Uh, I also want to shout out the men's and women's soccer teams. The men's team beat Notre Dame in amazing fashion and overtime. Our guy Evan Hughes was on the call. It was a great call. Really great game. Uh, and then the women's soccer team 
ended up forcing a draw against Duke, uh, who I believe was number two in the country. They were definitely in the top five. And they actually played the last, I want to say, 20 or 18 minutes uh, down one uh, one player. Um, so both of those teams, historically, always competing, always in the mix, doing really awesome stuff. Um, and that goes without saying, we wanted to shout out Coach Shanae as well uh, for the VT Men's Soccer 50-year anniversary. Um, so shout out to all of them. Um, Grayson, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I want to shout out Cole DeLucas, uh, one of my closest friends in the entire world, and his fiance, bride-to-be, Emily Smith. They scheduled their wedding on the only Virginia Tech bye week in 2021. Well, you only get one, so I don't know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But no fall weddings. I'm really looking forward to uh, to their wedding this weekend. That's been a long time coming. I've known them since my freshman year of college, so I'm very, very excited to be a part of that event. Uh, and I also want to shout out Bimbo Coles and Son. I know oh, yeah. they were they were at uh, West Virginia a week ago. Uh, Bimbo Coles' son was checking out WVU and and Coach Bob Huggins and their program over there. And this weekend, he checked out Coach Mike Young and our program in Blacksburg. And I think I speak for all of the sons when I say it'd be really cool to have another Coles in Blacksburg. It absolutely would be cool to have another Coles in Blacksburg. And we've seen a lot of content from uh, Coach Young ramping up, getting close to basketball season, which we're super excited about. Absolutely. Um, We've saved this for the end of the podcast. Um, You know, uh, that concludes our conversation regarding Virginia Tech. And now we're going to talk about our weekend in Austin, Texas. I hate that Pat is missing this, but um, we'll talk about the crew first. Pat, myself, Grayson, Emma Duncan, Marina Ritchie, Lexi Denny, Chris Riegerd, Riley Wyant, Lindsey Crowdis, and PJ Hemmer. And Griffin Parker. Did I say Griffin Parker twice? I did say Griffin Parker twice. (laughs) Anyway, we all headed down to Austin for the Texas Tech-Texas game. I had never been to the state of Texas. I have never been to Austin. I have never been to a Texas football game. It was awesome. Uh, We broke it down into just a couple of segments here. We'll start with the town. Uh, Grayson, you're you're an Austin vet. So talk a little bit about the town and we'll kind of give our highlights and, and stuff from the town in general. Yeah. So uh, this is my second time in Austin, Texas. First time was December of 2018, actually right before I moved to LA hit a few, I actually hit many of the spots that all of us went to this time around. Austin is a very interesting city. I would, I would say it's kind of a combination of new Orleans with Nashville. It's like, if you put those two in a blender, but take like subtract 10 wild points from both cities. <laughs> That's Austin, Texas. It's a lot more just kind of clean and 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 less uh rowdy, but still rowdy, if that makes any sense. I th- do you mean less ratchet? Is that less, a better- ra- l- less okay. ratchet? Yeah, because uh, it was certainly rowdy. Oh yeah, it was absolutely rowdy. Uh less ratchet, I think, is 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 probably the best uh best way to put it. But we had a great time, hit rainy street. That's basically this street with a bunch of bars, uh, kind of has like a like a bourbon street type of feel. Uh, and then Sixth Street, which also shout out to uh, Buford's. We spent a lot of time there at Buford's, which is a big kind of sports bar. Uh, I think it's actually an Alabama base, home yeah. base sports yeah. bar. Uh, and then we spent uh, a, a, not too much time, but a little bit of time on what they call Dirty Sixth Street. And that's where things get a little bit more gritty. That's kind of the more... Uh, I, I would say that's the more New Orleans level Mardi Gras flavor type of area of town. 
and then, yeah, went to the UT Austin Texas Tech game. Billy Ray. Hold, on, hold off on the game. I want to talk a little bit about the town for a second. Um, sure. So I, for me, Unbelievable was by far my favorite stop. Uh, we it went to Unbelievable. Yeah, we were doing the slide. We um, <laughs> we had the slide. We had the live music. Um, that was great. Uh, I don't know who was playing the one time that we went there, but I, I was drinking a uh, McConaughey's really cool naming. And they called it McConaughey's um, uh, beer and they had live music. The guy played everything from like George Strait, Johnny Cash to like the fray and sublime. Like he played sublime too. Like he was, and he had a guitar and he, uh, and he was playing like the drum with his heel and a tambourine with his heel. And he was, he was great. He was one really, really band. awesome. Um, aside from that, I went to the tour campus at UT Austin, really beautiful campus. Um, it reminded me of Georgia tech where it does a really good job blending into the actual city. Um, and still feeling like you're only like the college campus is, is a college campus and it's not like, you know, in the middle of a city, which I really enjoyed. Uh, Terry Black's barbecue had it twice, just Unreal brisket, unreal chicken, unreal sides. I mean, the sides, the sides, the sides. The place was so good. The place was unreal. And then the last thing I'll say about the town before we get to the tailgate, ATX, top five airport in America, like a really awesome airport. You land and it's all sorts of like local cuisine, local food. When I flew out at an ungodly time and uh, on Sunday morning, I had some bre- breakfast tacos. I, I love the airport. The airport is 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 really interesting. It's basically it's one terminal. It's just a giant hallway. It's one terminal. You get off. Everybody gets off at the same place. So, uh, love the Austin Airport, Bill. Let's talk about the. Uh, we got to talk about the tailgate situation in Austin, Texas, at UT Austin. That was uh, that was interesting. It, and just I got to tell y'all, I love Virginia Tech. I'm a Hokie through and through, but. The tailgating situation at UT Austin is pretty freaking sweet. Uh, we were invited to a Kappa Sig tailgate. Uh, what was it? Lone Star Concrete? Was yeah, that so it? what was cool about, about the tailgates there is these companies will sponsor a tent. Um, and they set up a TV. They set up food. They set up drinks. And then whoever buys the tailgate spot, it's sponsored by that company uh you see this a lot at uh sec schools and everything but it was really cool i mean our our spot was literally right maybe 300 yards from the front of the stadium um we had chick-fil-a catered and then uh barbecue came later endless miller light bud light you know uh seltzers if that's what you're into um but the tailgate was great man everybody was so hospitable um you know it was uh, again it's an in-state rivalry texas texas tech um, but you know, everybody was super nice, ran into a ton of Virginia tech folks and even UVA folks. I think I spoke to like four or five UVA grads, uh, when we were there. Um, but the tailgate scene was incredible. Uh, it really, really was. Um, they had a bunch of like, instead of parking lots outside of their stadium, it was more like, like lawns, like these big fields where you were able to kind of just set up and, and do your own thing. Um, but where it really shifted for me, Grayson was, was the game itself. Um, the stadium is beautiful, is beautiful. Gorgeous. Um, They have the big longhorn in the other end zone, but, um, couple complaints. One, 
the ramp to get oh to the gosh. upper tier of the football stadium was it, it took at least 20 minutes to oh, yeah. you're going you're going oh, yeah. up, up 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 um so that was a bummer um they had speakers on one side of the stadium so it sounded like everything was super faint and it had a little bit of a a little bit of an echo and it had a very i'm going to be honest it had a very nfl feel to me like it, it just wasn't that loud it wasn't, it wasn't like the product, lame. you know, it, the product is, and, and this is, this is not Homer me speaking because I went to Texas and you know, everybody's like, Texas does it big. Texas does it big. The tailgate was big. That's great. That's awesome. It just wasn't as much of a product. Like when I went to the North Carolina game, I walked away from it saying like from the band to the environment, to the music that they played to everything, it was an entire production. Now, mind you, this is an 11 o'clock game versus Texas tech, but still, I was really kind of dis- uh, not disappointed, but kind of shocked at how unloud it was. It just the the only thing I can walk away from it saying was it reminded me of going to an NFL game. Um, and and all things considered, it was there was a good crowd there. It was a great crowd. Eleven there was a, game. Yeah. Oh yeah, know. dude. They sh- they show out in droves, and you know they know about it was us so too. Hot too. Yeah, it was so it was deathly hot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some other weird things like people were showing up in jerseys. Like I saw a Manti Teo jersey. I saw a Trevor Lawrence jersey. Saw Trevor Lawrence. Like people who kind of were just in town showing up, and that's what you're gonna get. That's what's so special and different about Blacksburg is. My thing is, I couldn't have gone to a school like like UT or Pittsburgh or um, Vandy. Because I like when when Virginia Tech plays football, it's the most important thing that's happening within 100 miles of the football stadium. Sure. And when you walked around downtown Austin, some people didn't even know there was a football game going on. Oh yeah. So that was what was different. And I don't want to t- that to take away though from the fact that like their tailgating scene is phenomenal. Their fans are extremely accommodating. The town is so much like so much fun. Like it's, I, it's I, I I could not have had a, a better time. Um, I want a home and home with the Longhorns. That would be yeah. their fans are so hospitable. Their fans were so nice. I talked to a bunch of Longhorns. They're like, dude, you guys went to Tech. What? Well, I gotta see Enter Sandman. Mm-hmm. That's like, I want to. I want to go to Tech and watch a Tech game and see Enter Sandman. And you guys have one of the best environments in college football. I'm like, yeah, dude, roll through, hook them horns. You guys have been nothing but great to us. Right. Like their their fans were phenomenal, and uh, I, I will say biased, but it's the truth. Lane Stadium is way louder. Uh, granted, you, you, you got to consider the eleven o'clock kick. I, I but I can't imagine it gets much louder than it did. Their their end zone renovation. You know, you see you see the pictures of it online, and people are like, "Oh, you know, it's not centered, dude." It who is, cares? It's it is so it is dope. so cool. It is it's, so cool and so unique. Oh yeah. And I, I guess on the on the subject of things that were awesome, I loved the view of the Austin skyline that you yes above the stadium. In turn, like seriously, in terms of like city stadiums, like me and Pat always go back and forth about Boston College and and Georgia Tech. That is a really really cool stadium because it's again it's not in the middle of the city like. It has very much its own area. That's where they play football. This is where the students tailgate. This is where the alumni tailgate. Like, very, very cool. Um, I also love the – you don't get this with, with a lot of schools up north, but, like, the attachment to the university. Like, very much, I love my school. This is where I went. This is where my kids went. Like, you know, I, I, I love Texas. They, there's a very much sense of community similar to, the, to there that is in Blacksburg. Um, which I really enjoyed about it. 
Um, I loved the band parade at the end of the day. Yes. Uh, we get out. We'd been drinking for a little while, and the uh, and the drum uh, and the drum line comes out with the entire band. Um, I love that. That's one of my favorite things about college sports is the band. I mean, when we were when I went to LSU a couple of years ago, their drum line came around and played for everybody, and then we actually had some members of the band, like a mariachi group, with yes, these came up to the tailgate. Band. These orange pants, these burnt orange pants with like longhorn pins running all the way down. And they came over and played like five or six songs, uh, which was super cool. They're um, football stadium, dude. I don't know if you got to walk around to the other side. They literally have a museum and they have yes. all of their national championships. Pat and I were walking around with Riley and uh, and we stopped at their kind of like museum situation. And there are all four of their national championship <laughs> trophies just sitting there, all the Did coaches' you see the trophies. Trophy? The yeah, trophy yeah. Sick. <laughs> it's 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 cooler than the coaches' trophy. But literally, Pat and I like put our hands on the glass and said, "We're wow." Yeah. And Pat's exact words were, "These people have no idea how good they have it." <laughs> it's, it's like these these people. I mean, the money. Though you just see the dollars, you just see yeah. the dollar bills that are that have been poured into that football program. It's just a different. It's a completely different. It, it's a complete. It's it's just a completely different universe, right? Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. Think about think about like so. When I went in there, I spent a good like 30, 40 minutes in the museum, and I thought about like I'm like oh man, like who are some of the guys that were awesome here? Oh Vince Young, you got Kevin Durant, Ricky Williams. Like, like if Kevin Durant went to Virginia Tech, they'd have ten classroom buildings named after him. Kevin Durant, like one of the twenty five best basketball players to ever live, has like. A very small, like sliver of like, oh, Kevin Durant played here. He's a little information about him. And then there's a hundred other ones. They have so much rich history and so much, um, so many incredible people that went to their university. Um, I think it's cool that their stadium is named after two of their players, uh, named after, uh, is it Earl Campbell? And um, ah, man, who is their stadium named after? Grayson, you can take it over. Let me. Let me, let me confirm that. You're going to look it up? Okay, yeah. I was going to look it's it up. Ricky but... Williams and somebody else. I think it's Earl Campbell. I just want to confirm it. Yeah, they had the uh, the two giant, I guess part of their renovation, I hadn't seen it prior, but I guess part of their renovation is they have like the Earl Campbell and Ricky Williams giant, they're, they're two Heisman winners, uh, just plastered up next to the video board, kind of like we do with uh, with Michael Vick and Bruce Smith and Corey Moore and Frank Beamer and, and Bud Foster. Uh, and then they have two giant statues of those guys. Like when yeah. I, when I say giant, like behemoth yeah. statues 15, of those 15 guys, feet, 15 feet tall, probably be, yeah, 15, 20 feet tall. Yeah, so it's named after Earl Campbell and Ricky Williams. Um, and yeah, I mean, they're dude, their facilities are, are incredible and their history is un- unbelievable. Um, so yeah, super, super cool. Um, super cool. We'll put some pictures and other stuff in the, uh, in the post game write up. But I mean, it was, it was really cool to cross that off the bucket list. I mean, speaking for myself, I definitely want to go back. Like I, I really, really enjoyed that. And I, I would say this too, that is a fan base that is desperate to be relevant again. Oh, like dude, I, I so they're, they're, they're a program where, you know, there are certain teams where college football is better when these programs are good. And Texas is absolutely one of them. Um, so, you know, I cannot thank everybody from uh, Austin, from whether it was a tailgate or 
um, you know, just running into you around town. I could not have had a better time. I will absolutely be back. That was a fantastic trip. And I'm so glad that uh, everybody that came with us. Absolutely. Uh, do we want to talk highs and lows to wrap it out or? Yeah, I would say the lows, um, the low is definitely, we went to this, it had nothing wrong with the restaurant. It had nothing wrong with anything, but we had planned. So for you party people out there, we planned way ahead that we were going to go out to dinner to like this, like pretty, pretty decent. I don't want to call it a restaurant. It was outdoors and you know, they had margaritas and stuff. We were like, Oh, we're going to make dinner reservations for eight. And that's, we're going to go at eight. And it's basically the only thing that we planned the entire weekend. Don't do that. Don't do it. Especially on a Friday night. Like we had been drinking and touring and sweating all day. And then we all have to like (laughs) sit Pull it together sit. and sit, and and then and then we ordered margaritas because I think they had like four or five dollar pitcher margaritas. They may as well, may they may have well as they may have well may as well whatever however you say it may as well have they may as well have brought out like eighteen hundred and like put like drops I, I, of like lemon juice in it like it's it like was, a mimosa it's it like was, a mimosa it was disgusting. So I I looked at Grayson and my buddy Griffin several times. I'm like I cannot wait for this dinner to be over. Uh, and then <laughs> we said Billy Ray and I sat next to each other at dinner and he and I looked at each other saw three times throughout that the, the entire course of that I, need like, this I, to end. I was like, I need to get out of here. Yeah. I need to get out of yeah. here right now. Like I, anyone who was sat next to me, I literally, I was having a panic attack. Like I couldn't, fr- <laughs> I, I, I couldn't handle it. I, I got up and went to the bathroom a few times. I'm like, dude, you have got to get me the hell out of this place. I'm, I'm dying. <laughs> so don't look dinner reservations on a, uh, on a big, uh, you know, rambunctious trip. Maybe not your best, maybe not the best idea. Maybe skip out on that. Um, but, uh, the high for me, it was definitely Buford's watching. So we, when we were at Buford's, we saw the end of the Arkansas, Texas A&M game, the end of the Clemson NC state game, the Alabama game with all Alabama fans. It was just all football and uh, Pat put it the best way. It was like the most Saturday, Saturday ever. Like you tailgate football game at 11. Um, and then we went right out and started watching football again at Buford's. Then we had great pizza after, like, I'm not kidding you. This is the favorite pizza. pizza. It was the best pizza I have had outside of New Jersey and probably a top 10 or top 15 pizza I've ever had. It was really, really good. Um, so that was great. But the highest of highs was 100% unbelievable the first time. Everybody was in a great mood. We basically opened the place. Like when we got there, um, when we got there, we basically, we brought the juice, man. We brought the juice. Uh, we were all dancing, having a good time. Um, drinks were flowing, $5 beers, great music. Um, I, I thought that was great. Absolutely. Unbelievable. Uh, a time and a half. Love the slide. Every bar should have a slide because that was so much fun. Uh, I also, you know, the Texas football game, uh, the tailgating experience was uh, shout out to, to Parker over there who linked up with Pat through Salesforce and, and shout out to Pat for hooking that up because those people were so friendly, so hospitable uh, and then loved Loved uh, love Thursday evening. Thursday evening, I yeah. uh, uh, went out, saw some live mu- music on Rainy Street, saw a bunch of different type of bands. Yeah. I think we were we, the bassist, we were the bassist like broke his leg like yeah. in the middle of his performance. I forgot about yeah. So this dude, we're watching him play live music. He's playing everything for, again. The, the 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 breadth of some of these people's repertoire was so wide. I mean, he was playing Blink One Eighty Two, George Strait, jo- Johnny. Like he played everything. And they took a break and um, he tried to hop over the gate and straight like 
like he must have like slipped in a gutter or something. His ankle was like the size of a watermelon. So he he puts his leg up and like gets ice and he's still playing. And it was uh, <laughs> it was it was a ton of fun. That was, and uh, we, that was we we asked him like post show. Hey, man, are you good? And he's like, yeah, no, I'm cool. Yeah. What do you. OK, sure. But no, uh, the, the live music on Rainy was a uh, was a time and a half. And then our Airbnb, dude, our Airbnb, we lucked out so hard. Everyone had a place to sleep. Nobody was sleeping on the floor on an air mattress or anything like that. It was very, very comfortable. We were in a great part of town, very close to downtown Austin uh, and pretty close to the airport. All things considered, just uh, just a 10 out of 10 weekend. And I'm very, very glad that I decided to show up for sure. Um, I think that just about does it for us Um, again. Sons of Saturday, Austin, thank you so much. What an incredible time. We'll be back for sure. Uh, And then stay tuned. We have some awesome stuff coming up later this week. Um, Check out the dot com. We had a quarterback synopsis written up by Robert Irby. Uh, Excuse me. I know that our uh, one of our uh, scribes of Saturday, Adam Roth, will be going to College Station um, to check out Texas A&M. So we'll have some content from that. Um, and some awesome stuff. And then obviously collaborative podcasts coming up with the sons of Saturday, Irish, keep an eye on them. Um, do your scouting, do your thing. And, uh, some other interviews, uh, related to non-football stuff coming up later this week, but thanks for tuning in and we will talk to you again soon. That was good. That was good. Yeah. Um, yeah that was, that- To wander, tripping in the sand We smoke out windows, drink till we can't stand But I saw you dance like you want to in my head And all that she said is Oh, I know just what you're thinking to you.